For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Man, oh man, oh man, we about to get dirty today. Mm. You want, are we starting? Man, oh man, right. now it's time to get all dirty on. <laughs> what is going on with is you? That, is that your French Canadian accent? What I like is a woman that I cannot tell the difference between the top of her head and the bottom of her body because she's covered in so much dirt and so much pine cone <laughs> dust and so much hair and so much filth. I like rolling around with her. Well, no kidding. This, All right. This well, that's exciting. Episodes, this series of episodes, I think, does more harm to chest hair. And back hair than Aww. any other series we will ever do. This is an episode because we have a lot of we have a lot of fans out there that like wood sex. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, we have to yeah, start yeah. the show as well. Do you want to start talking about wood sex? I'm just saying this is a show that starts it begins with wood sex and it ends with wood sex, and in between is a bunch of amateur surgery. Um, so if at <laughs> any right. point you're really horny, I think that you need to like. Check yourself. Check yourself. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the last podcast on the left. I am Ben, hanging out with Henry, and of course, Marcus as well. Hello. Today, we are really thrilled to bring you a subject that so many people, you know what they've been doing, Marcus? Clamoring. Asking, for it. Asking and clamoring. <laughs> They're sweating thinking about it. So, today, we're going to talk about Rock Terrio and the Ant Hill Kids. It's about to. Don't say this funny. Ant Hill Kids. Like it's, no, it's like the opposite no. of that. It's no, not like Ant Hill Kids. <laughs> no, Rock Terrio and the Ant Hill Kids sounds like a French Canadian, like 60s garage rock band. It really does. More synth. <laughs> but again, the amateur surgery really fucked with all of the rehearsals. Yeah, I can imagine. All right, let's get into this. Rock Terrio was a French-Canadian cult leader active from the late 70s through the early 80s. His blend of pagan ritual, Old Testament theology, and mysticism eventually translated into a sadistic, all-consuming backyard fuck party with rock at the center. Yeah, he was at the hot cheese fondue center of this backyard huh. fuck party, and he loved every fucking minute of it. And the thing is... No one else did. Well, <laughs> when you say with rock at the center, are you talking to Sammy Hagar concert? Are we having a great time listening to solid tunes You've been following during a fuck party? I have been following nonstop old rocker Instagram because they're the ones who actually know how to use it. They really do. 
this is Rock. Rock. This is name is Rock. Oh, his name is Rock. Yeah, Rock. Yeah, So his parents were just walking around trying to figure out what to name him. They looked down on the ground and were like, Rock. Maybe. But I think that it's it might be short for Rochelle. Oh, okay. <laughs> but this is one of the this is a series that's going to get incredibly dark. Yeah, we're setting a little bit of the groundwork of where the hell Rolf came from and who this dude is, which is we're going to discover is one of the I would say up close to one of the most sadistic cult leaders we've ever covered because he's definitely a narcissist and he's de- we're going to compare him to a bunch of different people, but there's something. About the boutique cult, like about a 20-person cult that gets so fucking nasty mm, yeah. that we just, that, you know, we're going to spend a couple episodes just wallowing in it. Well, say, Rock, yep. maybe he's been tormented with that horrible name his entire life. You can see him at 13 years old. Mommy, Daddy, why'd you name me Rock? And they're like, lucky we didn't call you used condom or <laughs> anything else that we saw on the ground that day. You fucking pebble. <laughs> He did have a terrible father. He did. I'm sure he did. Well, this cult named the Ant Hill Kids because Rock City kept them busy as a bunch of ants is quite possibly the most disturbing we've covered since Children of God. And in many ways, the Ant Hill Kids far surpasses it. He also may have been my manager at Wendy's. This chick who would be like, if you're leaning, you can be cleaning. It's like, leave me alone. Stop rhyming. I think that marks the fourth time this year that you've brought up that manager at Wendy's. I did not like how mean she was. <laughs> and also, if you're leaning, it is because I am done with the cleaning. But Rock Terrio does look alarmingly like a manager I had at Borders, who is, again, it's another... The, the worst employee ever. Swingers all have the same... Look, there's yeah. just something about like you because again, we're doing this at Christmas time, and it's because he looks <laughs> like he's a dirty fuckboy Santa. Oh, yeah, and he's yeah. got it's that vibe. It's you know, my that my manager used to have knee pads in his car, and he showed me, and he's like, you know what these are for, and he go, <laughs> and he would make a little lick noise. <laughs> Rock Terrio, legitimately, <laughs> that's not even how you would do that. He's like, my knees are bad, but I got to get down there for as long as possible sometimes. So he's just getting face planted in all the crotches of the. Of Women in the parking lots? Just loved eating pussy. And Rock Terrio is like that. He's the equivalent of what Travis has shown us all through TikTok of the old man sitting with a camera just on his face mm. in silence, just making cunnilingus talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's not sexy. I mean, no. if, if, one, if one woman finds it sexy, though, yep. that's all you need. That's all you need. Now, when it comes to cult leaders, the most violent we've covered here on the show was certainly Adolfo Constanzo. However, Constanzo was more of a serial killer than a cult leader. And aside from the murder of one member, his violence was largely inflicted on those outside his cult. Rock, by contrast, was a true cult leader uninterested in murder per se. He was highly violent, but Rock was first and foremost a narcissist whose cult evolved into a sadistic fantasy built to satisfy his darkest desires. It's hard to build a sex cult. Like even I'm talking I've said about that. A, I say that every day. A legit <laughs> sex cult because he I think he's one he's one of those guys who thought 
once I get all these broads out there, we're going to get out there and this is going to be a fuck circle and everybody's just going to love it until oh, yeah. we die. It but, gets so much easier once you bring a bunch of women in there. <laughs> Everything's just going to be so smooth. But it's, it's not just the women. It's there's no condoms. So you start having oh the babies, goodness. right? And they start yep. producing children and that's a fucking bummer. And then everyone's got to <laughs> eat. And then everybody's yeah. got to follow your rules and they're not following the rules and so you're getting frustrated. And then you got to express to everybody, hey, it was always my dream to cut people open with a knife, but I can't do it legally, so now I'm going to have to do it out here next to this boulder. Oh my goodness, <laughs> This is we don't have enough time to orgy anymore. Now, Rock Terrio was responsible for four horrific deaths, two of them literal babies, but those deaths came as a result of either Rock's arrogance or the torture he inflicted upon his followers after isolating them in the Canadian woods. In fact, killing was completely antithetical to Rock Terrio's motivations for starting and maintaining a cult. If a cult member was dead, then they could no longer serve Rock, which made the accidental death of a cult member a great tragedy from his point of view. Not because they were dead, not because it was a death, but because he had one less person to love him. And unfortunately, he didn't really learn any lessons about <laughs> what he was doing and the consequences of his actions. He is the true archetype. I got into a very deep YouTube hole of like people talking about narcissist, sadist personality types, mm. and he is the exact picture of it because not only does he get off on pain, so narcissists need their supply, right? They need to have people worshiping them, making them feel at the center of attention. So, But if you are a narcissist sadist, because a narcissist a lot of times will use sadism, which is the act of making pain for the sake and love of making pain and, and having people be in pain. You are, And a lot of times it's akin to a sexual gratification. Like you like some, you someone's moans of pain to you sound like pleasure. Ah. They would like that. They would just be like, are you some kind of goose? I'm not yeah. here to fuck a goose. I'm here to fuck a bound man. <laughs> and so he, the, the narcissist, though, side of it, will then sometimes commit sadism just to sadism just to get the supply. Like, And they don't really want to. But the fact that the, these something about the, it's paired because you'll see their statements that he makes is that this in the statements that he makes straight up, it seems to be a tagline from the narcissistic sadist, which is love is pain. Your mm -hmm. love of me is equal to pain. So the more pain you feel, the more love for me you're expressing. You just got that from Hellraiser. <laughs> this That's is just Hellraiser. This is pre-Hellraiser, man. This is all pre-Hellraiser. Was Clive Barker a part of this? No, but I, he is Canadian, and honestly, I'm thinking he might have stole a lot from this. Okay, so he doesn't want any of his, I'm going to call them constituents to die, much like an 1830s farmer didn't like their children to die, not because they liked the kid, but they need the workers. Their workforce. They mm -hmm. need the workforce. Yeah. Now, as far as his qualifications for cult leader went, Rock was somewhat different from some of the others we've covered. Instead of being tiny and malnourished like Manson, oh. or tall or tall and malnourished like Marshall Applewhite, oh. Rock was big and burly. Kind of a Hagrid-type character. He is very much like a dick-out Hagrid. <laughs> Deleted scene from Harry Potter right there. But again, if you're being... A, this is the other thing, too. We'll talk about this. People kept, of all of the cult leaders that we've covered, more of his former members called him sexy than yeah. any other cult that I seem to remember. That he is, women in this group, in the, in the very beginning, women loved 
rock. Bro, I've been yeah. watching a lot of old wrestling videos on WWE Network from the 80s. Those big, burly, hairy men are women salivate over them. That's my goal. Yeah. I want to get the Alex Jones body with my hair. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It'll cover with oil. about it. Ladies went crazy for you know, these guys. You Stan know Hansen. They used, to, they used to love this guy. If I was a wrestler, my name would be The Anvil. <laughs> oh, there was. I'd be a leather daddy character. That's Bret Hart's cousin. That's Jim the Anvil Nethart. You're already taken. Sorry, buddy. Damn it. Rock Terrio was a large, muscular man with piercing blue eyes, a big bushy beard, and an impish grin. Apparently, this guy was very attractive by backwoods French-Canadian standards. (laughs) As far as charisma goes, he was a born entertainer with a natural flair for performance who could command a room with an off-color joke or a tall tale. Women found him romantic and charming, while men were drawn in by his confidence and lack of inhibition. In other words... He was fun at parties. He was a funny guy. That's the other thing people could say, uh, keep saying about Rock, was that he was very funny. But mm. I haven't seen any of his material. So I don't know if he's necessarily funny funny. He does seem to be kind of like the guy who's super funny at your office that oh. thinks that comedians just make up shit like off the top of their I head 24 7. I they, could do that. He yeah. is that type of funny where, you know, we'll see. He, he does. He uses a lot of props. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a situationalist comedian. Yeah, yeah. All right. And of course, we would uh, be remiss not to mention the hit sitcom from the 90s, Rock, which was also pretty funny. <laughs> Same build. Same build as that man. But as it usually goes with people like this, Rock also had an insatiable hunger for acceptance and approval. Shut up, Marcus. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, at what point did you realize you were just researching yourself? I, mean, I wish I had his same piercing blue eyes, but I'm glad I'm just a comedian. Oh. But being wildly insecure gave Rock another key skill needed for a cult leader of his stripe. Supernaturally convincing in a way that bordered on hypnotic, Rock had a sixth sense for detecting insecurity in others. It was said that if he found an insecure soul at just the right moment, he could make them believe anything, using a confidence that people who were a little more with it read as supremely arrogant. That is one of the ironic things of the sadist personality disorder, is that which is taken out of the DSM. It's not there anymore. But the one of the main like attributes of it, the reason why they took it out is because they didn't necessarily want people to say it was a diagnosable disease. So that when people did sadistic acts, they would kind of say, "Well, I'm a I'm a clinical sadist, so oh. you know it's kind of a thing that I do." But he it fits into this world of they're actually ultra empathetic. Like, they are a type of person that is incredibly good at reading people's feelings. But instead of being an obnoxious empath, which is just a sadist with crystals, (laughs) they are a, uh, they look at you and they can see everything that you like and dislike about yourself. And they know how to just stick a a finger right in it. Oh, get out of there, please. And make (laughs) you wiggle. No Mm -hmm. kid. Well, you know, people always say, oh, it must be so cool to have a sixth sense. But do you have any idea how annoying that is seeing all these dead women outside your car door all the time? (laughs) Oh, was there an accident? Oh, I guess I'll get another dead woman outside my car door. Oh, did a child die in this one? Thanks so much, sixth sense. I actually really like the idea of you you as a beleaguered psychic. (laughs) Oh, another one's dead now. Just you sitting there. Also, just, you know, if Kizzle does seem low energy, it's because he described how he came in. He's like, I have a little bit of a tummy ache and I was like oh god COVID and then he's like no, no I just said ate a large stuffed crust Shut pizza up. <laughs> I got hooked in by one of their 
pizza hut last night. I got hooked in my pizza hut commercial because it was reminiscing about the power of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I could just see you. Shut up. That's off. And that is off my conversation. Yes, I have a tummy ache right now because I ate too much pizza. Sure. But you are, you sound like Michael Jordan in that game after he ate the rigged pizza in Utah. <laughs> it's exact, and I'm playing just like he did. <laughs> but you just imagine you surrounded by all these dead people just folding pizza in your mouth and being like, well, you ain't kidding. Luckily, none of you have any mouths at work because then I don't have to share any of this delicious, delicious. Look, you eat it backwards. Oh. <laughs> you can't eat it backwards, yeah. Well, concerning Rock's arrogance, even though he dropped out of the eighth grade, he thought of himself as a self-taught intellectual, a renaissance man who could conquer anything from politics to surgery. Yeah. Bit of a a surgery hobbyist, you'd call him. You never, I never want to hear the term. No. Amateur. <laughs> Definitely not. No. Like this, this isn't like fun. This is there shouldn't be a surgery open mic. Well, it would literally be like if Neil Young stopped playing with model trains, and then you're like, "And welcome aboard, Neil Young Express." He has no idea how to actually drive a train. I know how to drive a train. It just sits on a road. It doesn't leave or anything. You just pull the lever, go choo 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 choo. You sing the hits. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rock Terrio came to power in the late 70s. This was a time of gurus when people were, for one reason or another, looking for spiritual guidance from bearded men running filthy, miserable communes in the backwoods of North America. In fact, Rock Terrio could most closely be compared to another man from the same era who was a thousand times more successful, although the other guy was certainly more cosmopolitan. That man was Dave Berg, founder of the infamous Children of God cult. Ugh. Dad was a sexy guy. No, he was Dad. not. Ooh, that guy was. That was. I'm still. I still have nightmares from that series. Well, this is very similar to that. Great. And yeah. Great. I'd say that the difference is again, Children of God became a franchise cult. Now yep. we're starting to see the differences, right? Where Scientology and all these other that are a little bit more business minded. Right. Their jobs are to like the the cult leader becomes more like deformed CEO that yeah. were him like obviously his uh, David Berg's peccadillos were the Ugh. things that ended up like destroying everything well, yeah. but they were actually really concentrated on the cult getting bigger like they wanted as they were really really into the evangelism and getting more people involved and making money off the people that were involved where somebody like Rock Terrio he keeps it small he keeps it local because <laughs> the idea is is that he right. just wants his own this is really all about him. Yeah. Nobody else matters in any way, shape, or form. He is building a custom-made group of humans that he believes are just his fuck toys. So he's, he's the, going he's to the use Whole for Foods. Forever. He's the Whole Foods of cult leaders. Whole Foods is massive now. Now it is. <laughs> now it is. No, no, no. Back in the day. He's, he is of cult leaders. He's the auto bar of cult leaders. Oh, great bar there in Baltimore. Check it out. Well, both Rock Terrio and Dave Berg were drunks. They both encouraged familial orgies. They both split up families as a method of control. Both were polygamous. Both used the Book of Revelation as a foundation for their belief system. And both were funny. Or at least tried to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you got to be a little bit funny if you're trying to get a whole family to fuck each other. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get in there somehow. But the main difference between Dave and Rock was the difference between a successful cult like Children of God, which, by the way, still fucking exists as the oh. Family International, and a filthy failure like Terrio's group. 
Berg used violence sparingly, mostly as a method to control rebellious teenagers. And it was like institutionalized violence. You yeah. know what I mean, it, it was a part of their system. They had like the little schools that, and the violence came. It was very compartmentalized so that David, so that daddy was kind of separate Ugh. from the violence so that daddy could be. Can like, you stop saying daddy, please? What well, else it's am I going to call Remember, oh, it's dad. dad. Yeah, it's not daddy. It's just dad, which <laughs> for some reason, just calling him dad is so much more it's all disturbing. Bad. I hate dad. Because you know one thing about just saying dad is that you could just imagine the curve on his knee from people sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the type of guy that didn't want to be associated with the the punishment arm of the yeah. cult. He wanted to be good time. Like, I'll go down on you and I'll lick your asshole and I don't care if you're my cousin or my daughter. But at the same, but I'm not going to spank Isolate you. Isolate that footage. <laughs> Isolate that well, sound right now. Put that on a billboard. <laughs> well, Dave Berg's methods of torture were relatively light. Like, remember, he had the smile machine. Like, the smile mm-hmm. machine was something that they put on unruly teenagers that was a series of elastic bands and hooks that hooked to the ears and the corners of the mouth that physically forced a smile. Like, Oh, you mean, as far as torches go, it's not that bad. It's called being an entertainer during a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> but with Rockterio, the violence was the point, used both as a control and as a part of the cult's internal logic. Rock told his followers that he was ridding them of demons and that those who didn't suffer in life wouldn't be allowed to enter heaven. To give a short and vastly incomplete history of Rock's violence with his cult members, He broke fingers and toes one by one. He burnt his followers with acetylene torches until their flesh bubbled. He cut them with broken glass and in one case pulled 11 teeth from a follower's head with dirty pliers. And again, we haven't, don't worry, we haven't spoiled the good stuff for you guys in that little list. There really is, um, that is just the kind of stuff that was more of his day to day. We are going to see in the next two episodes that the uh, he does some of the worst shit I've heard a person do in quite a long time. It's Damn. since, since a lot, like he is as we lot just of talked up about shit. a guy with an inganga yeah, that but- was full of human <laughs> spirits. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that guy, you know, was you know what's weird about the inganga and and Dolfo Consanzo was it was kind of like a part of his work. Like he was also a serial killer. So right. like doing this kind of stuff, it, it was strange it was very much about like his own peccadillos but this is this is something else the idea of wanting them to live yeah. is is specific is that because they're supposed to learn lessons from the yeah. things that he's doing to them well with adolfo constanzo it's all over in about an hour you know as much as even Ugh. with all of the awful shit that he did to to his victims like it right. was over and done with him about an hour with rock terrio we're talking years and in some cases uh up to a decade uh of abuse uh if you if i were to compare uh rock terrio to another person in true crime it would be david parker ray i also think toy box i think killer is a misnomer i'm not sure if david parker ray ever actually killed anybody because David Parker Ray's whole thing was ruining lives. He wanted to ruin a life forever. And if he killed someone, it was that was over. All I know is he did a great job making the theme for Ghostbusters. And so I will always <laughs> say David Parker Ray. No, that was his son. Oh, that was his son. Okay. But in the end, with Rock Terrio, his followers thanked him each and every time 
often writing him fawning letters of apology and awe after each violent encounter. Mm. As the violence grew, so too did the admiration. And this blind loyalty ended, as it usually does, in the death of some of his followers. But perhaps Rockterio's most evil technique, which makes him somewhat unique in cult leaders, was his utilization of the cult members' children, mm. some of whom were his own. He used them as a choke point to gain and keep obedience among his followers, and it ended in death for some of them. Him and old Sleepy Herf from uh, Heaven's Gate both truly disliked children. He did not like children. He thought that they were a liability. Again, they're, it's just so not super sexy to have all these kids around right. when I'm trying to gush inside of all these women without condoms. And then you wonder why, you know, he doesn't really get the memo that in the end you got to do is pull out, shoot into a bucket. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I suppose if you got a little yeah. spittoon around there. We're not talking one or two kids. We're talking 24 children. Oh, my that God. That he produced over the time in his cult. It's like, I like I hate black licorice, but what if I just kept making black licorice and just leaving it all over right. the house? You know what I mean? It's the same thing. Yeah, that's very true. But before we get into the full tale of Rock Terrio, let's acknowledge our source today. On this one, we've got Savage Messiah by Paul Kala and Ross Laver, which is a solid, if sometimes overly judgmental, true crime book with fascinating details. I, I will say I watched a horrible documentary that did nothing. That it was one of the worst name for a documentary series that I've ever seen. It was called Very Bad Men. Mm. Mm. You're like, ooh, yeah, he's very bad. And oh, you're like, no, my. yeah, this isn't Bruce Willis from moonlighting are you mean this yeah. is fucking it's he's a he's a very for, for, he actually you know what you all, okay, i'm saying i take it back he is a very bad man i just <laughs> wish they put more details into it well and that's just a great reference there for anyone who is older than us moonlighting yeah, what moonlighting, a show it was what before a, that was our from, time we, before we oh, were born no, i watched moonlighting <laughs> even i got the sexual tension as a boy <laughs> i don't know my sister is the best gift giver i've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
You can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Do you know someone struggling to figure out their mental health benefits? The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855-438-6442. Rock Terrio was born in Quebec in 1947 to devout Catholics Hyacinth and Pierre Terrio. And of course, it's French Canadian. I'm going to fuck up a lot of French yep. names. Just bear with me. Yeah, 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 the French stuff is hard. Also, similar to Order of the Solar Temple, a lot of the original documents are in French. So there's actually not. I actually thought that this cult would be way more covered in English, and it's not. There's there's certain sections that I'm going to get into as we go, and I'm also on the lookout for Rock Therio's fucking memoirs. If anybody has an English translation, I want one. Terrio, goddamn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rock was one of eight children, and when he was six, the family moved to a small asbestos mining community called Thetford Mines. Mm. <laughs> they were mining asbestos, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yep. You want to keep that where it is. It's called, <laughs> we, we like to call that Spicy Cloud Junction. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was, and that was in a district in Quebec that was known for asbestos mining, and Thetford Mines was one of the most successful asbestos mines in the entire province. Well, that's great. Killed my grandfather at 66. Asbestos got cancer. Between that and my grandmother, he did not have a good chance to live long. (laughs) Was that the grandmother whose uh, pants kept falling down? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, (laughs) she kept on falling. Even when sitting, her pants would fall down. Did he he get that poisoning from Buchenwald? I don't know what happened, but I do know my grandmother apologized on his deathbed. So isn't that nice? (laughs) She apologized to him as he was dying. So that, that worked out great. The Terrios were described by neighbors simply as backwoods people. 
And while Rock's mother sounded like a fairly normal human being, his father was a religious zealot. But then does that make her a normal human being? If you are already, if you marry, I feel like what happens? Like, how do you, Hmm. how do you marry a religious zealot if you're just a Jennifer Aniston? I feel like it's so much cuter if it's the mom that's super crazy into Catholicism, but the dad is like, well, you know, Wendy's just a little bit nuts. But like, if the dad, (laughs) then it becomes sinister. Yeah, then it becomes really scary. Double standard. It is kind of of a double standard. No, well, I think because the father often gets violent with the scariness. That's it. That was the reason. Mommies get violent. (laughs) Yes, they do. Mommies do get violent, but daddies are more, daddies are more likely to be the violent ones. I remember when I was really harassing my mom one time and it was harassing and harassing her and then she hit me in the head with a phone but then um, <laughs> she came in and then she cried for like an hour being like I never I never so I, I feel like it was other things going on besides just me like being annoying while she was on the phone see that's a, that is a psychological mind fuck <laughs> oh yeah when you get hit when and then they cry. they cry then you're like it's okay yeah. Yeah. you want to hit me again well, Hyacinth was a member of an authoritarian fascist group of Catholics called the White Berets, so named for their distinctive headgear. Rebranded today as the Pilgrims of St. Michael, the White Berets were an offshoot of a more conspiratorial movement. Mm. Originally, it was a pretty standard New World Order, the Jews run everything mishmash. But by the time Hyacinth joined, the White Berets' main goal was to destroy the secular world and hand control of all institutions over to the Catholic Church. No, a bit of a slippery slope there. (laughs) I uh, looked them up. I'm getting to learn a little bit more because um, not that I've been vaguely, even remotely political, but I've been reading more and more about the idea, like, you know, political concepts. And there's stuff like that you find out that I guess the term is dog whistle to fascists that I didn't know. Like, if you look up the term social credit, um, there is a michaeljournal.org, which is the last of the vestiges of this group, which is it just as Michael for the triumph of the immaculate, which seems really funny for a bunch of people that just, I mean, there's a lot of pictures of weird goblin-like people with large noses on this website to be um, <laughs> that immaculate. Interesting. Um, but social credit is one of those things that, like, it says, oh, we got to give things back to the workers, you know, we got to do all this stuff. But then you find out was like, whenever they picture a banker, it's like one of those goblins from Harry Potter. No kidding. <laughs> not good. Social credit system. Not very fun. And so every Sunday, Hyacinth forced his children to go door to door in their small community with the collection box to gather cash for the White Beret cause. Mm. He'd knock on the doors of strangers, and as soon as they'd open their door, they'd be met with a litter of tiny Quebecois children falling to their knees and shouting prayers as Hyacinth made his Pope above all pitch. Wow. You gotta give them something. <laughs> I mean, just to just get him, throw get him out of there. Just like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Oh, no, but it was a shakedown. It was a full shakedown. It was just yeah. like jiggling the coins in the box like, hey, if we, we'll get out of here if you just give us a couple of dollars. It's the religious equivalent of uh, when the guy used to come on the train, the L train, that used to play the saxophone horribly. He, and he was had that, that, that says, guy. Play me to stop. Love play me that to stop. Guy. That was that is still to this day my favorite subway performer. Well, he would step on this train. He would say, "I'm I'm from out of space and I'm here to rock you." Yeah, and then he was awesome. It was it was rough, but I always paid him. <laughs> you have to. Also, what is it about hats? Mm. What, Why, what do you mean? What is it about making a group wear a specific hat that makes everybody bad? You can't hide mm. the hat. But I don't understand. It's a, what, what is it about hats? 
I guess the Shriners are okay. They've all got the fezes. They're not too sinister. I well, mean, the, I don't the, know. They still do that weird ceremony where they all pretend to blow each other, and then they go down this, the weird razor slide, and then what? they do weird, and then it's a lot of tricycles. It's a lot I, of old men on tricycles. <laughs> no, I don't think so. The no, Shriners, they're helping. cars. Yeah, and they're helping the kids with the cancer. And their and their hats are fun. They can be used as a soup bowl. Yeah, on the road. <laughs> but do they think playing with the kids' butthole is helping them distract from cancer? Well, that's a controversial statement. Well, because you yeah, just said the word distract, <laughs> which would it distract? Yeah, but is that good? No, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they think it's you know the ends means the means or ends. No, means. no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Well, as far as Rock went, he hated participating in these white beret donation drives, and he considered these weekly marches with his father and siblings as humiliations of the highest order. It instilled a deep resentment for the Catholic Church, which would never go away. From what it seems like, though, this made Rock the odd man out in the family. From what Hyacinth later said in the late 80s, shouting at reporters through his closed door, (laughs) he raised seven children and only one turned out like rock he's not wrong that's not bad <laughs> pretty good odds actually but if there was two rocks then he would have to be put in the hague you know what i mean <laughs> well that's it's, not it's good. like he just kind of barely made yeah. the mark of being yeah. a fine father but from a young age rock was taught pain as children he and his siblings would play a game with their father called bone hmm. In this game, Hyacinth and the kids would sit around the dinner table, kicking each other in the shins with big boots as hard as they could until one of them finally said, stop, enough. I think they did that at the Kennedy's house, too. Yeah, I'm pretty (laughs) sure we used to do that as kids. You kind of punch yourself, punch your friends in the shoulder and stuff. This isn't that bad. I mean, you don't play that game with your dad, though. No, my dad was home at night. Don't do this. He's a truck driver. Marcus, no. Marcus, why did you do this? No. Oh, my God. His tears are so big and they smell like marinara. (laughs) Now, Rock claimed that his father severely beat him throughout his childhood. But as we know, cult leaders, for the most part, are even more untrustworthy than serial killers when it comes to stories about their past. Never believe a cult leader. You say untrustworthy. I say they are weavers of tales. They are storytellers. <laughs> Their whole yeah. point is to make the legend bigger than it ever was. They got to make the legend shoot out into the universe. Look at L. Ron Hubbard. He understood yeah. you had to li- you have to lie so deeply that you lie within your personal journals. Rock Terrio was like that. He hmm. created a memoir. He wrote this 100-page memoir at some point during the, the cult rise. I believe it was when he went to jail that changed his whole life story. And Because you got to make yourself a success absolutely well rock claimed that his father would push him down the stairs of their home and lock him in the cellar and one of rock's wives claimed that rock had been beaten so severely as a child that surgeons found scarring on his internal organs but as far as we know none of this was ever confirmed in fact everyone who knew the terrios said that while the whole white beret thing was a little odd and overbearing (laughs) none of the eight kids showed any signs of abuse and all of them except rock seemed healthy and happy he was he was a born narcissist yeah the anger towards his father comes from being embarrassed more than anything else it comes from having to put the hat on and do all of these things and prostrate himself and be super vulnerable against his will which you're going to find out you know he is not a person he's the kind of guy that would get really mad if he fell over and you laughed 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like he'd be really fucking pissed off because he does. It's like a cat where he doesn't want. He doesn't want you see when the cat falls off the thing and then he gets super embarrassed. Not yeah. like a like a dog. It's like just takes anything. Doesn't like. really care. Interesting. Mm. But you would have to empathize a little bit with his tale because every neighbor knew that that was the weird family. Of course, like yeah. everyone had to be like, "Yeah, it would suck to be those kids." Yeah, but because my father, they go door to door begging for change. My father embarrassed me so implicitly; it made me have no sense of shame. That actually helped me be a performer, allowed me to perform nude, and highly embarrassed myself in many circumstances because I became immune to embarrassment. Well, you got to make those cops laugh at the bar, and that is usually <laughs> involves you getting naked, doing something stupid, and then they yep. can say, "Better than that guy." <laughs> <laughs> However, there are some psychiatrists, particularly those in the new documentary Crazy Not Insane, who argue that people at, it's a great it's actually it's it's really a great good, documentary. It, it's it really called, good. It's called crazy, it's called crazy not insane. Yeah. Oh it's, not insane. I thought you said crazy nut insane. <laughs> and I was like, what is that porno? Okay. No, it's very good. But the the psychiatrists in that movie, they argue that people at Rock Terrio's level of violence can't exist without extreme childhood trauma. They mm. believe that nobody is born evil and that when we don't have evidence of childhood abuse and people as violent as rock, we simply don't have all the facts. Now, I'm not sure if I believe that completely, but I am open to the possibility. So maybe there is something to rock's claims of hmm. extreme violence at his father's hands. Who knows? Cause it's, it is hard to think that the level of violence that rock Terrio achieved uh, later on in life, it's hard to believe that that comes from nowhere. It, right. It's hard to believe that that's well, just an inborn thing. Well, the problem is that we don't have, you know, his memoirs are a series of lies and everything he ever said to anyone about his past was a series of lies. And I wonder if there was a way to look into it. You know, there's no way to know anybody's inherent truth. You could never know objective truth. It does not exist. It's all in your mind. You have no clue what really happened to him as a boy. But I also think that maybe it's not that the violence was done to him, but he might have had sexual fantasies as a young boy that involved really intense violence and that it Could might be. have started because look at Jeffrey Dahmer where it started with the sleeping dude it started like this kind of building of the you create your inner fantasy world so it, some, it seems like by the time he got to his cult kind of like Leonard Lake same thing the fantasies he saw this opportunity to make all of his fantasies come real and, and allow himself to do it and he because he had something like there was, he had in low impulse control to put it mildly that he could then do it and cross the border into from fantasy to reality. Now, Rock was a shitty kid, prone to stealing money and cigarettes from his parents while blaming his siblings, took responsibility for nothing, and learned at an early age how to manipulate others to get what he wanted without having to work for it. Hmm. But to hear him tell it, Rock's childhood was the stuff of legend as henry said he wrote a 173 page long memoir that was rife with all sorts of bullshit about his upbringing in one story that sounds like a bastardization of greek mythology rock wrote that he was walking in the forest one day when he came face to face with a mother bear and her two cubs why do i imagine him as a little boy but looking exactly as he did as an adult like he's a child <laughs> But he's got the big bushy beard and he's got the, the fucking dome fucking skull and he just sees this bear struggling. Just, oh, poor bear. 
But instead of attacking him, the mother bear instinctively took him in as one of her own, rolling over Rock in the same playful way she rolled her other cubs. And according to Rock's story, he spent the entire afternoon living as a bear. That's cute as fuck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just going in there, sucking on mommy's nipples. You're underneath there. You're with all the other little bears all day. You got a full grown beard. You're seven years old. You're yeah. half bear as it is. Half bear as it is. This is just a Christopher Robbins tale. This is kind of nice. He, I also had back hair when I was 10. And I also oh, kind of uh, felt like, wouldn't it be nice to live as the bears? How'd you get on the, what, did you do alligator run? Were you able to do that? Remember alligator run? You get the slip and slide all man? No, oh. never. I drop like a fucking stone. You'd rip the whole thing. You lit it. You know how many times we tried to have it? We remember, I remember there was one kid in our Wait, you neighborhood. Do alligator run? No, dude. He put it out. He put the slip and slide out. We, you know, whatever version of the slip and slide. And I remember running up and then. <laughs> blah! No what movement. Just. It is for movement. Nope. Not to my wow. body. I was. I am friction. That's amazing. Mixed in with that mythology was a false frailty that Rock used to elicit sympathy. He claimed to have infantile paralysis until the age of six, claimed to have been unable to speak until the age of eight, and he claimed that he could hardly walk until he was 12. He needed to be the center of attention. So this is a very easy way to do it is talking about being like to victimize yourself to people. He also claimed, as most cult leaders of this type do, to have been gifted with wonderful and mysterious powers. When a young boy in town broke his teeth, Rock said that he healed him. Soon, Rock was healing broken limbs in both people and animals, and he claimed to be able to bloodlessly castrate cattle and pigs with ease. Yay, we're gonna... every child's fantasy. Yeah, I remember, uh, have you ever played My Little Castrator? I never did that one. No. I loved that as a kid. Yeah. Um, but no, I he... definitely remember... Uh, being highly disturbed about like these big mason jars full of bull testicles uh, for when you know all of my uh, family would do the castrating on all the cattle. It was a uh, fucking really disturbing sight. That's Rough how they day. knew you weren't going to be a rancher. Yeah, he looked at you. He can't. He can't handle looking at the balls in the jars. They, that's why every Christmas you received one big book, like in the Dixon, Dickens novel, or you just sit and just read one book a year. I was fascinated, but not uh, definitely not in a hurry to join in. But you also, he will eventually find out that. Um, Castrations are actually not that bloodless. No, no, I don't no. think so. Yeah, no, 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 because no, he's gonna—he really goes for it. You gotta be careful. Yeah couple of times. Now, of course, none of these claims were true, but there was one almost mythological claim made by Rock that was indeed confirmed, and it likely gave him some of the confidence and swagger he later used as a cult leader. By all accounts, Rock Terrio had a disturbingly large penis. Wow. Uh-oh, I thought you were going to say he, he liked to use Old Spice, shampoo <laughs> and conditioner, it and burns. body wash. It burns! I know! <laughs> This, he wrote in his memoirs, the disturbingly large penis, was one of the things that he took as a sign that he was different Mm. and not, as he put it, your average Joe. Mm, well, maybe yeah. that's why he didn't like going begging for change. Every time he would kneel down, he would he kneel on his cock. <laughs> scrape on the floor. Oh, ouch. <laughs> and this is, again, why I'm very happy with my father's medium. My father's medium allows me to Your live my life as a medium North- penis? Yes, I call it. That's <laughs> the size. You call it his medium? It's a father's medium. Are you is what I call my penis. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm happy with it because I don't need to shoot you know, beyond my scope. You know I, mean? I don't need to worry about all the burden of having a disturbingly large penis. No, it mm-hmm. just makes it when you take your pants down, they don't have, they can be happy. 
No, 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 no. They have to be happy before. I know. That's my goal. The goal is that at dinner you were re- happy. You gotta and, prep them. But that's why you gotta coast at the dinner and then you make it quick. You get it. You just you you know you reveal very quickly. Yeah. You're not. I'm not parading it around. Right. Right. Well. All right. Regardless of penis size, though, Rock, arrogant from even a young age, figured by the age of 14 that he was too smart for school. Despite being among the brightest students in his class, he dropped out to shovel snow, mow lawns, and hang out at bars. I know several guys that were like that in high school that were like really good at school, and then they dropped out to do manual labor and then act like that was like the coolest thing in the world, and then they just kept doing manual labor. Right. It sounds yeah, like it was really difficult. Yeah, well, it sounds like God. it was really hard. And it sounds like as you get older, it gets like really hard. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. not a contractor, you know what I mean? If you don't run a construction company by the time you're 40, it's hard to be a construction worker. It really is. It's it's the Lord's work. Now, Rock was always described as a ladies' man. Although we also have to remember that the pool Rock was fishing from was in his bestest mining town of 18,000 called Thetford Mines. <laughs> uh, technically, that makes it more difficult to get a woman so i think he's playing in the big leagues i don't know because you know you just get him until they get filled with cancer and then there's, there's a high turnaround rate <laughs> yeah it has to be as such rock had no problem finding a wife on charisma alone it's about being funny man yeah it is and in 1967 he met a woman named francine grenier at a dance hall and married her soon after he built a house less than a quarter mile from his parents in the woods and the newlyweds had two children in quick succession while rock got a job at the fire department performing inspections despite his lack of a high school diploma it's well, all about being funny again. If you're the funny guy in the team, you have any jobs I got for no reason? I was fired or yeah. had to leave because I obviously wasn't qualified for it. But they like you in the interview. That's how you mm-hmm. slide in there. I mean, to be honest, his big cock probably helped him with the boys in the old fire department there. I think having you a big... Do you think the big cock came up during the not, interview? It could not have hurt. Well, especially if you go like, if you can do the trick where you go, hey guys, wait a second. I got to see if there's something on this surface. Periscope up. If you can make it just go up, that's fun. That's huge. Absolutely. No touching. Absolutely. But it was around this time that Rock changed from just sort of a shitty, arrogant person into something else entirely. In 1971, he began suffering from duodenal ulcers, and the doctors removed part of his stomach to alleviate the symptoms. When the second operation was needed, Rock spent the summer studying medical textbooks, and by the time he went under the knife again, he could recite the steps to the entire procedure, which couldn't be a more perfect example of Canadian backseat driving. <laughs> Ah, you see what you want to do yeah, there, what actually. You do there. You're going to want to do there is you're going to want to spread open my belly button. That's how you get it. That yeah. gets faster. Hey, sorry. Sorry. I don't. Can you imagine just how fucking annoying that would be? As if you're about to go into surgery and you got to be like, I see what you're doing there, but actually you're going to want to get a bigger knife. You got to know if you can tell by the size of my dick. You're going to yeah. want to get, you're going to want to get something that really cuts through something like a bandsaw. Or heckled? I've never gotten heckled by a patient before. After that second operation, though, Rock began vomiting and experiencing stomach cramps. And when he went back to the doctor, he was told that he was suffering from a condition called dumping syndrome. Yeah, Doc. And it's, it would have been it would have been his new metal band, but you have to put umlauts in it. Dumping system. In dumping syndrome. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> Shit, man, I just, I just can't fuck it. I, I know, like, in 1999, I would have gone and seen Coal Chamber, Mud Vein, and Dumping Syndrome. All the, oh, yeah, absolutely. And there would have been a guy, you, could, you know, just rock Terrioba with a fucking lip ring. <laughs> I love it. In dumping syndrome, the severing of gastric nerves prevents the stomach from contracting during digestion, which is a key component to the whole operation. Mm-hmm. Instead, the contents of the stomach remain solid. The mass then moves rapidly from stomach to intestines, causing extreme pain and preventing the body from extracting nutrients. Oh. Let me show you the first miracle I will perform for you. Uh-oh. You see this hot dog? Yeah. Watch as I fold it inside the mammoth. <laughs> That is really great. <laughs> oh, you can feel every one of the pieces of relish. Oh, oh you're taking. Okay, that's perfectly a solid hot dog on the other end. <laughs> wow, well, that's, that's witness, human. Witness God's tunnel. I am the tunnel of God. Shit. <laughs> Oh, this is shit. <laughs> the hot dog comes next. I think the hot dog it, it pushed a bunch of shit that shit was at the first. front. Yeah, well, let's see that. Let's just... Well, as it happens with some people, both the stress of the surgery and the pain that came afterward changed Rock Terrio. He'd always been a notorious crybaby, complaining endlessly about everything. But after the surgery, he also became a hypochondriac, telling everyone that his insides were now made of plastic and that oh. cancer was coming any day now. What are you, no. my fucking Uncle Kevin? He lives <laughs> in asbestos. Yes, I mean, like, honestly. So, and, uh, so he's just like. You are covered. The entire town yeah. is covered in asbestos soot. Do you really <laughs> think you need this to actually, like, you're all already dying. You're all just walking tumors. Yeah, it's very bad. Very bad for you. In addition to just being more annoying, Rock also became more reckless and self-centered, quitting a solid job at the fire department to sell self-made kitschy beer mugs at swap meets and bars. Okay. I'm my old man. Can you see? I'm like a, I'm like a Creighton Barrel, except I'll fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock, you got to put your pants back on, buddy. This is a family event. I'm sorry. I am numb from the shaft down to the tip. I do not feel when the drafts come and yeah, they sprinkle yeah. on my, can you see? Not Robert's jaw. It's a pretty big one. Uh, yeah. I wish I could be president. <laughs> He also became more erratic, giving himself license to do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, without regard for anyone else, all because his tummy hurt. Kissel's fucking excuse over here, too, huh? (laughs) I had too much pizza! But perhaps most importantly, Rock's outlook on sex completely changed. See, at the beginning of his marriage... Rock insisted that his wife wear long dresses to hide her figure. After the surgery, he was demanding mini skirts and wanted to talk about nothing but sex. He took it even further by asking his in-laws if he could open a nudist colony on their farm, giving it the real hard sell. No, listen, Aunt Carol, listen. Yeah? (laughs) Listen. Yeah. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, let me first put this away. I'm sorry. Yeah, this, is you're, 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 yeah, you're. No, this is honestly, it happens all the time. I it's know. a slippery little devil. He always wants to make an appearance. It's He's like Martin li- Short. Yeah, it's not little. I'll tell you that. Nor is it short. But here's this. Here's this pitch. And Carol, you're looking very feminine today. Thank you. You um, know, I had a lot of Pizza Hut last night. What if I invited the bunch of naked just people here? Yeah, that's it. Do we that. play cornhole. Yeah, <laughs> both uh, personal cornhole and the game. 
You want to do that on the farm, huh? We get a flagpole. <laughs> yeah. We get a hot tube. <laughs> Come on. Don't you want a naked stranger to be on your couch? You know, deep dish pizza, you can actually eat it backwards. And Carol, this is an incredible invention. Oh, the pizza is completely reversed. I mean, his offer was immediately rejected. And of Rob, course, I would hope yeah. so. And he, but he also he took the rejection personally because he's a fucking narcissist. It's not that they didn't want nude people on their farm. It's that they didn't want him to invite nude people onto the farm. Like they didn't trust him enough to do it right. There but, is no other way to take that other than personally. She rejected him <laughs> physically in every sense of the word spiritually as well so it is kind of a personal assault it's his mother-in-law i know man you tell me oh so you don't want me naked in your front lawn you don't want your best friend naked all of a sudden in your front lawn it's hard nudists are actually very polite yes they're very nice but you gotta put plastic down yeah now now rock was obviously blossoming into a full-blown narcissist and as we all know there's one career path apart from cult leader that is tailor-made for this sort of personality, although one can definitely manage to combine the two. Needing even more attention, Rock joined a citizens committee and tried his hand at politics. Oh, what a surprise. It's a great name for a campaign sign. Vo Rock, why not? Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Rock. rock the vote, literally Rock the vote. Rock it's actually the vote. Fits yeah. in a sign, it's a great name, I think it could work. By carrying around a copy of the municipal code that he'd memorized anyway, Rock had a weapon to pull out for use in an argument at any time. Oh my God, beat this guy with a hammer already. But of all of the cult leaders, I would say he's really like a serial killer that, you know, a lot of times that they get into, uh, you know, trying to dress up as a cop or well, BTK, get into security. Well, BTK, was the one who'd be like, your grass is a little long. Yes, yeah. like these little hits of power. He, this was his attempt to get quote unquote legit power. Yeah. Because he thought that he's a genius. He just thinks that he's... Be- and it's all because of the size of his penis. Then it's not <laughs> fair. The rest of us have to learn skills. I think it's really nice that you have... I'm happy you don't have a huge penis, because I don't know what you would become, Mr. Zabrowski. I'd be a senator. <laughs> Well, not surprisingly, Rock was fucking terrible at politics. He only put forth grandiose infrastructure plans that would have bankrupted Thetford Mines. Mm. And when he just stopped coming to meetings in 1976, the council voted him out. That's the thing. When I ran for drama club president, I won on sheer power of personality alone. But then I also understood <laughs> that I didn't want to do any of the paperwork. So my vice president was actually a very capable girl. And I she, I just gave her kind of all the work. And then I kind of I showed up in the meetings and I had a lot of fun and stuff like that. But when uh-huh. it came down to the actual jurisprudence, right. when it came down to the actual <laughs> run in the, you know, like that was for somebody else. Because it comes down, I'm an idea man. Yeah. I'm, I'm broad right. strokes guy. And what and what ideas did you bring to the drama club that that they couldn't have done without? Personality. What we need <laughs> yeah, to do here true. is, guys, you know what we got to do? Move upwards. Integrity, uh-huh. strength. <laughs> right. Also, I made the I got the the talent show to be twice a year. That's not bad. <laughs> That's actually a good thing for you to do. But you got to help out with the uh, with the bake sales and stuff. Yeah, I was yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just eating all the fucking cakes. You got to see that the food is good. Well, were these muffins? <laughs> were these cupcakes for the people to buy? I was selling. <laughs> yeah. Still looking for a place to wield power, Rock joined the Aramis Club, which is sort of a French-Canadian version of the Shriners, which is itself a more innocent and fun-loving Freemasonry spinoff. That's why I don't trust it. I don't need the fucking Freemason Kids Club. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, know. I just feel like as a politician, the one thing he could have done is like, let's get rid of all the asbestos. That's what the well, town it was ran in asbestos. Around. That was the whole reason why the town was there. The town was there to bring asbestos out of the ground. Can't you just start mining different things? Their business was <laughs> cancer, Kissel. Oh, okay. if they stopped the cancer, they stopped the business. So maybe I wouldn't get elected there either. It's surprisingly American for a Canadian town. Yeah. Well, from what I found, I did a little bit of uh, looking into Thetford Mines and found that what they're most known for, especially after the asbestos ran out, uh, it's the most Canadian fucking thing. They got a bunch of hockey players and they're really good at maple syrup. Awesome. Holy shit. Love it. Love that's it. racist. <laughs> it's, not, it's true. That's I know. Crazy. I'm just saying. That that's, town that's is... I just that I got racist that. for Canada. <laughs> and the, their whole Wikipedia page was nothing but hockey and syrup. I love it. Wow. All right. But even with what little power the Aramis Club had to offer, and even though they were a Catholic organization, Rock joined anyway. Soon he became obsessed and gained control over the initiation ceremonies, which ushered in all the new members. Once in charge, Rock changed the long-standing rituals to reflect his own hatred of the Catholic Church. Nice. One day, he showed up wearing a cape emblazoned with the face of the devil and insisted that all the other members follow his lead. He's not wrong. What is going on here? This is, the, this is one of his best moves. Yeah, if he wants to be Gene Simmons, a, a cosplay Gene Simmons. You are you're not making me like him less in that sentence. According to what a fellow Aramis Club member said later, though, the rest of the Aramis Club members were just a bunch of average Catholic Canadians. And try as they might, they couldn't adhere to Rock's wackier ideas. They didn't catch the wave. <laughs> He's got to sell it better. He's got to sell it. That's the truth. That's his fault. But of course, he blamed the audience. Well, yeah. Yeah. Eventually... Rock just dropped out of everything. He stopped taking his painkillers for, you know, his stomach problems, mm. but he just replaced that with heavy drinking. Oh. Yeah. And he also started writing bad checks all over town while telling everyone how much money he had. Well, you, the idea is that you fake it till you make it. Mm. And he knew that. And sometimes There's you got to write five bad checks. Yeah. And yeah, you got to write maybe <laughs> 10 everyone, bad checks. Everyone works at the same asbestos mine. I'm sure they know exactly how much money he has because they have the same amount. <laughs> I mean, he had less money than them because they actually worked at the mine. He did nothing. He yeah. tried to sell capes. <laughs> and it didn't work. <laughs> well, Rock was, like most cult leaders, a complete and total failure at being a normal person. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't be long before Rock found his niche as a leader of mostly women. His first disciple, as it were, was Giselle Tremblay. I would say one of the, I'm not, not unique to this cult, but just especially for this cult, the members of the Ant Hill kids were of a specifically vulnerable group. Yes. Like, they are very vulnerable people that got pulled in. A lot of these people had histories of abuse. A lot of these people were, like, he. that's where his cultivation quote unquote, you use that word, like, his, the, him making this cult was very specific. Like he knew what he was looking for almost instinctually. A lot of cult leaders do look for um, vulnerable people because that, that is why a lot of people uh, join cults because they have something is missing in their lives and they think that this person can give them, you know, what's missing. It's a shortcut. I have never been approached to join a cult and I guess it's just because I'm intimidating well, and I feel really sad about that. Why can't I get a flyer? <laughs> you don't I want to know what peace and harmony feels like. You don't wade in those waters. Have you ever been to a stretching class in the valley? No. Have you ever been to a vegan restaurant out in 
in the middle of Tarzana? No, no, because if you go to these places and isolate yourself to a place where they serve only beans, you would really be surprised what you end up agreeing to. All right. Now, Giselle Tremblay grew up in a tumultuous household with a cold, authoritarian father and an angry, abusive mother. Her father would take her aside and talk shit on his marriage, telling Giselle that when she grew up, she'd do best to obey and follow her husband at any cost, unlike her mother. So he basically pulled her aside and just did Bill Engvall bits at her. <laughs> but me yeah, and his wife, yeah, 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 like at her, and then she absorbed all of that, and then Bill Engvall became her personality. Oh, that is troubling. Well, Giselle listened. According to her, she spent her entire childhood preparing herself to be the most devoted, loyal, and loving wife a man could have. Predictably, though, this blind devotion resulted in a string of awful relationships. Yeah, if men were good, this is really nice. But um, they're not, no. So Her first serious relationship was with a boozer named Robert. And boozer, by the way, that's the, the term that the Canadian author of Savage Messiah uses again and again. Love saying boozer. Giselle tried so matching. It is so Canadian. It yeah. is. <laughs> He's just a boozer. It's, it's like, like raging alcoholic with massive, massive psychological issues. But why He's you, a boozer. Yeah, you make it sound like a name for a cartoon squirrel. Yeah. It's like a boozer. Cool cartoon squirrel guy. Well, Giselle tried matching his drinking, but couldn't physically keep up and ended up in the hospital with burned intestines from ingesting too much liquor. Wow. She was the Bo Jackson of alcoholism. Well, she hurt herself by doing it so her well. Her mouth was too fast for her liver. Yeah, yeah. That's a good sports reference. Thank and you. That is actually pretty good. Yeah. Because he hurt himself. No one touched him. You realize it's the only himself. other one that I know. I know Bo Jackson, Bobby Bonilla, the best player, best baseball player that's ever been, that ever because existed. Because of the contract that he got. Um, yeah. yeah, of yeah. course. Smartest baseball player ever. Be. Usain Bolt. He's fast. Yeah, yeah. that's three. Wayne Gretzky. That's four. Yeah. Um, one Peyton football Manning. player. One Peyton Manning. Fo- Peyton Manning works. That checks out. Look and at Robin that. Williams. Improv well. sports. <laughs> All right. We'll count it just because he's passed on. <laughs> Well, in 1972, Robert and Giselle moved to Montreal, where Robert got into bank robbing and counterfeit currency. Oh. She, yeah. So she what's your husband up to now? Well, he wouldn't you believe it? He's doing bank robbing, and he's kind of doing some like uh, counterfeit currency. Isn't that kind of fun? Actually, that does sound... At least he's into an industry. Want some gravy? We have gravy. You know, Herbert's working over at the new mill. <laughs> Yeah, he's making bullets. Yeah. It's right next to the asbestos factory. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, and then yeah. there's the blood factory that right? just turns animals into blood. Yes, yes. So the counterfeit game's going pretty good for him. Well, Giselle eventually had enough with Robert and left him. And Robert was later gunned down in the mean streets of Montreal. Damn. Jeez. Soon, Giselle and her sister got an apartment together, and Giselle started dating a nice man named Dave. They're always named Dave. Yeah. yeah. But one night, Giselle and her sister happened to be drinking in the ballroom at the local Holiday Inn. And who should be there selling homemade beer mugs but Rock Terrio? Oh, my God. It all comes together. The power and the illustrious world of merch. Wow. <laughs> now, Giselle and Dave had been discussing marriage when Giselle met Rock, but Rock quickly pushed his way into her life despite still being married himself. He wrote her sappy love letters and whined that she was hurting him by sleeping with another man. 
One night, she finally let him stay over for the evening. When she finally asked him if he was married, he burst into tears and told her, yes, but it wasn't his fault because his wife was sleeping with other men. And also, I got cancer. I got cancer. (laughs) Can't you see that? (laughs) <laughs> wow, yeah you do It's all the asbestos Can you see, can you see uh, take a look at the cancer on my foot I've got ten cancers That's, I, can, I can see your cock when I look at your foot Oh, I slipped out I have yeah, to put this back out. And honestly, is... I am just so It is, it honest While it is hard, it is numb Yes, yes indeed, all purpley strange uh, Somehow, this story ensnared Giselle And she quit her job at a department store to spend the summer with Rock selling homemade beer mugs at local fairs while her unemployment check picked up the tab. And I don't blame her for selling merch for a living. I know for a fact that this, how many wayward people end up just selling merch for Van Halen? And the next thing you know. Sure, why not? You know what I mean? You're back there hanging out with, you know, hanging out with Dave and Sammy and you got to go and you got to help them get there. You got to get the, the, because they only eat mahi-mahi. Of course. Well, you have to stay in shape in that rock and roll lifestyle. I feel bad for her ex-boyfriend, Dave, who's just at the bar. He can't even look at a mug anymore. Yeah, just, he lost everything to a freaking to a, to a canister. That, to, to a mug. What, so he must have been a big shot. He sells mugs. During their travels, though, Rock became a bit of a comedian, staging bits and skits in public using regular people to satisfy his own need for attention. He sounds like the first millionaire from that uh, Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire or Can You Marry a Millionaire millionaire show. Remember that when the big reveal was he was that hacky ass comedian? Mm -hmm. It was like from 1998. Oh, it was Joe Millionaire. No, no, Joe Millionaire, he was a construction worker. Yeah, no, it was like Marry a Millionaire, but then it turned out he wasn't even a millionaire. He's a failed comedian. Ugh. Anyway, what I'm saying is Ugh. Rock sounds like he's very, very overbearing. He started and, as a comedian and technically moved up from being unemployed boozer right. to being a mug salesman. So technically he's on his way up. And as okay. comedians, we've all done jobs that are, you know, how many people have done? Like, I, I wish I sold mugs back yeah. in the day. Well, you did have beef jerky eaten off of your own body on camera as a punishment. I was an actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when Rock and some of his new friends went to a strip club in a town called Dolbo, Rock collaborated with a dancer for a bit. He paid her good money to hang sliced strawberries from her nipples. And when she came on stage, Rock jumped from the audience and nibbled the strawberries off while the crowd roared with approval. Hey, unaware, look at rabbit! <laughs> yeah, but com- you understand. Completely I- unaware that the whole thing had been a setup. But that's kind of important, right? It's weird how that is, that's just a bit, right? That's him technically at his best, right? Rock <laughs> Terry. Strawberry nipple bit. <laughs> strawberry Classic, nipple bit yeah. is a lot of fun. <clears throat> you know, the, the boys all like it, but you'll see that it kind of sets a weird pattern for he controls the entire situation and yeah. no one knows where he has set up this, that it's supposed to act like this magical thing, which is kind of like HPB, where it's the same shit, where it's the con man thing to show like, mm-hmm. Every single time I do something that you might think is magic, you get deeper in to a con that you don't even know that you're at the fucking very beginning of. I think you're reading quite a bit into this horny man eating strawberries off a stripper's nipples. This is all I do all day. (laughs) Yeah. Another time, Brock collaborated with the manager of a fancy restaurant. He wandered into a steakhouse pretending to be drunk. I mean, honestly, he was pretending or if he really was. The only way to enter a steakhouse is to wander into a steakhouse. That is true. No, you have to go with your hands on your hips going, well, just got to 
check out what this establishment is. Big knives. Yeah. He was dressed as a homeless guy. And he walked up to a patron's table and just grabbed the steak with his hand and stuffed it into his pocket. And when, we get, when he got a little pushback, the manager rushed out and said, no, 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 it's all just a prank, everybody. Calm down. And then, uh, the, of course, the dinner was on the house. That is just such a fucking Canadian bullshit prank. Can you imagine <laughs> sitting up? The, the fury. I would rather be pranked oh by O.J. Simpson in the, in the show Juiced. I, the fury that I would feel if I was sitting with my steak meal and I'm sitting there, I'm so excited all of a sudden this big, stinky, huge dick homeless man walks in takes the meat off my plate because first of all, you're like ah! everybody's just screaming and shit but this big, haggard, wow. like fucking woodsman is in front of you and then have the manager go Ha, ha, ha. Got you, you fucking stupid customer. <laughs> I took your money and I pranked you. Huh? Look how funny it is. And meanwhile, he's just fucking the steak with his huge ass dick. They're all yeah. laughing yeah. and shit. Yeah, because you know. then you have to wait for another fucking steak to come. Well, well steaks don't take that long. But don't. you know what's weird is that when I was researching the sadistic personality disorder, you know what's one of the big things that come up is extreme pranks. Extreme hmm. pranks are a mark of of the sadist because they don't know they can't they literally can't discern joy they don't know what's funny <laughs> well they, wow. they are absolutely you look at what happened with ashton kutcher when he stole frankie munez's car and that. frankie munez was really upset well, remember he's that a little punk? bitch no he, someone stole his car <laughs> yeah i know but if, still- hey, dude honestly if you got punked you would be like chris farley in that sketch where he finds out the coffee is not caffeinated <laughs> hell like you yeah. would be the worst yeah, of course But even through the shenanigans, or perhaps because of them, Giselle was sold on Rockterio. Wow. I don't get it, but love is a strange piece. Uh, Here's a hint. It's the dick. Oh, I see. Not the steak in his pocket. I don't know because the bits. Is that don't a steak in your? Great. Is that a steak in your pocket, or you just happen to see me? No, it's you can a, obviously it's tell. A steak. Uh, the reason why you can tell it's a steak because of all of the grease. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. But also, I am leaking. Yeah. Eventually, Rock abandoned his first wife, and Giselle moved in with him at Thetford Mines. Now, things went okay at first, but Rock soon became obsessed with religion, reading the Bible voraciously while denouncing the Catholic Church. I am, this is like very confusing to me how he grew up super religious. Usually, wouldn't the rebellion lead him away? Well, I think that there is a little bit of, he understood that what a great place for a person with no skills to climb up a hierarchy pretty easily. Because wow. in the church, all you have to be is the person who believes in the fake man in the sky harder than anybody else. Yes, yeah, St. Just- Benedict was a Nazi, and he just said, sorry. Yep. And they were like, <laughs> now you're the Pope. One night, though. Rock announced that he discovered a more honest and pure source of spirituality in the Old Testament, and that source just happened to have a lot to do with the role of women and their submissiveness towards men. Ah. It's just so weird. I was just, I was just combing through with my fingers. My finger just stopped right here it on just, this. My it's just like the right here on this part about how you are supposed to do everything that I want. Isn't that weird? And there's so many paragraphs that, that say that again and again, and I just my fingers. They find them. Wow. In reading these passages and studying them, he'd point them out to Giselle and say, quote, See Giselle, that's good. I want you to think about that. Huh? Just put, hmm? the, put the seed in your brain. Imagine your brain is dirt. Your brain is dirt! <laughs> okay. Put the seed inside of the dirt. 
Hey, it grows into a thing that sucks dick, huh? Uh, well, you know, you know, it's funny you say that, my husband, because most of the stories that are in the Bible involve child rape. Oh, that's actually yeah, a really so good idea as well. That's horrible. Yeah. So I don't. I just don't know if we need to be taking that so literally. All the stories actually are. They don't really fit with a cosmetology. Hey, just putting it in my tool belt. I'm a real tool man, Tim Taylor. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Now, at this point in time, Rock Terrio had no church of his own, which is a somewhat difficult place for a cult leader to start if they have no money, no social clout, and no connections. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, L. L. Ron Hubbard, he was able to create his own cult from the ground up because he had a reputation as a science fiction author. And Charles Manson gathered his followers with a charismatic blend of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Branding. Branding is really important. I know that it's it's like a jokey answer, but you have to have like a perspective. What are you bringing to the table? What is your, you're the cult leader, right? You have to have something special. There's got to be, there's got to be a hook. Well, there's got to be an answer. What's yeah. your answer? What's your answer to the question that everyone... What, what is your answer to the question, why are we here? Yeah, Mug, why? Mugs. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it started... But it shows how the answer can start with mugs. Mugs. But you know mm-hmm. where it ends? Gastration. Mm-hmm. Ah, damn it! Don't get too deep into mugs. Hate it. But for most American cults, the leader needs a jumping off point. Yes. And 99 times out of 100... That point is plain old Christianity. Mm. Heaven's Gate was Christian. Jim Jones's People Tem- People's Temple, of course, People's Temple was Christian. Even Joseph Smith, arguably the most successful cult leader of all time, wrote the Book of Mormon as a sequel to the New Testament. Right, and and he's getting Whoopi Goldberg back for that, which was huge for that <laughs> sequel. And they, uh, it's it kind of crazy because these other cults are you kind kind of see how it, certain things kind of work differently. Where like Heaven's Gate was a passive cult where yeah. it accrued members and then they closed the gates. Jim Jones was a, a very reputable member of society. So he actually started getting people immediately because they believed in him because he actually was a very powerful and able politician. Yeah. But somebody like Rock Terrio is that if all you have is a huge dick, you need to you got to build a base. It brought Rasputin all the way to the top. I though. know, but he understood magic. He also had a, he he went to the he did karate all over Russia. Rasputin, <laughs> saving money on everything for your projects now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Well, there's one particular sect of Christianity that actually produced two high-profile 20th century cults. One was Rock Terrio's future cult, which, you know, some call the Ant Hill Kids. We'll get into all that in the next episode. Okay. The other, perhaps the most famous cult of the 90s, was the Branch Davidians, led Ooh. by none other than David Koresh. And the source for both was the Seventh-day Adventists. 
Now, there are a couple of reasons why the Seventh-day Adventists are so ready-made for cult offshoots. The main reason being that they themselves were an offshoot of a cult. The church that became the Seventh-day Adventists was founded in the early 1800s by William Miller in New York, right around the same time and place that Joseph Smith was kick-starting Mormonism. Through a bizarre interpretation of the book of Revelation, Miller proclaimed that the world was going to end on October 22nd, 1844, and his followers, known as the Millerites, believed him without question. But when the day of reckoning in question passed without so much as a cloud in the sky, the church kind of tried to sidle past it, rebranding the judgment day that never was as the great disappointment. Sad. Oh my God, am I talking to my father? <laughs> What's going on? You have got to you have got to make the date po you gotta do at least hundred years in the future so everyone's dead. That's the idea. You the idea is that you like build that. and build and build and build and say and until then that's why we have to start our video rental empire. Absolutely. <laughs> now most people left the cult after that because plenty of them were mighty pissed they'd sold all their possessions, dressed in robes, and spent all of October 22nd sitting on haystacks so as to make their ascension to heaven that much faster. October 22nd is by far and large the day with the best weather in the country. And I wasted this whole thing expecting to be exploded by God. I have hay all over my robes. Why are they mad? Shouldn't they be happy? No, because no. again, they want they want to go to heaven. Yeah. Yeah, but the, yeah, I, I mean, all doomsday cults are like that. It's, it's miserable people that want to get off Earth as soon as possible, and they really don't mind if the rest of Earth uh, is destroyed in the process. You've got to do it like everyone here. Become a billionaire, and you can get off of this Earth. Yeah, you get one of those big spaceships, and you leave. It's gonna yeah, be, absolutely. You'll see, wait till we see the first one leave. I can't, <laughs> I can't can imagine wait. When you see that first city-sized, like, you didn't know that we had them style ships just, like, leave with the big Amazon thing on the side of it, and you're like... Mm-mm. Oh, man, the deliveries are going to get slower, huh? I guess so. (laughs) But a handful of followers stayed with the Millerites, including a follower named Ellen White. Soon after the Great Disappointment, she said she had a vision that Christ hadn't materialized because... In his wisdom, he had chosen to cleanse the heavenly sanctuary rather than the earthly one. So Jesus, on Jesus couldn't be there for the end times because Jesus had to, he had to do the thing where you ever clean your house before you have some over to like to clean your house or someone to work in your house. He had to pre-clean. Right. So actually during this time, yeah, Jesus couldn't come because he was swiffering. In heaven. But you know, he's also, as soon as you show up, he's also going to be like, I'm sorry for the mess. It's like, we know you just spent eight hours cleaning. And we all and have just to, have just to be like, no, step on, no, this is really no, nice. it's beautiful. I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. Wow. Well, everything's still covered with sand because he's got these shit ass fucking dirty feet. I don't know what's <laughs> happening up there. Well, in saying this, White was able to have it both ways. And after a suitable amount of moonwalking away from William Miller, she helped found the Seventh-day Adventist Church from the ashes of the Millerites. Okay. Eventually, Ellen White wrote 53 books full of cult nonsense, making declarations that wigs caused insanity (gasps) and that masturbation killed tens of thousands of people every year. Well, technically tens of thousands of people every year just don't get made. Yeah. Well, I, but there's also, there's a massive exist, process. But the thing is, if they didn't exist, does that kill them? No, because a sperm is just. You want to do this? You want to do this? <laughs> you want me to talk to you about the birds and the bees? Each sperm's a man. Yeah. Each sperm's a lady. Each sperm's a president. Each sperm's a criminal. Put little hats on them. 
But mixed in with all that were directives on how her followers should live their lives, which brings us to point number two. The Seventh-day Adventists are essentialists who preach a simple, healthy, back-to-basics life, which requires an enormous amount of restriction. And as we know, Mm. any religious sect that focuses on control is going to be a prime breeding ground for a cult. This is why I am truly scared of Moby. He Moby? is a of Moby. He's a minimalist. I don't like minimalists. <laughs> they scare me. There's something about it that's very scary. They scare me. If you don't need anything, come on. You do need yeah. something. You gotta have some yeah. shoes. He um, needs his tea, fucking tea empire. Remember when he had that fucking tea shop in Lower East Side? I do remember his tea empire, which is like the like, I didn't know that the low key most annoying Damn. capitalist move oh we're taking over tea the UK has tea done they, uh, and they, he called they, it we barely as well it's the worst fucking name for a tea place. I wow, hate that place I never heard of that tea I deal with rage oh, that's, that is upsetting yeah I wouldn't uh, they should have sold him that building but you already have the legitimacy of the Christian church right so if you have a high control group that is already embedded within the quote unquote legitimate Christian church, it's a little bit easier to make that a jumping point off for a cult, especially because you already have to believe, because they are, they believe that the Bible, like they had an actual, like the creation is real, that it's word for word real in the Bible. They believe in, you know, the kind of the aesthetic life where you're supposed to like, you know, not want uh, physical goods. You're supposed to live away from like modern corrupt society. You're Mm -hmm. supposed to pull back. So you kind of already start all the little culty flavors that you need. Yeah. yeah, and they you know they stay kosher. Uh, they have like a very like you can't drink, you can't smoke. Like it, it's more of a it's like a a disciplinarian, like a discipline type of thing, not disciplinarian, but like it is a discipline for living. But you can go into great great detail about how Cain and Abel used to have sex with each other. Oh yeah, and you, <laughs> you can, can talk, talk about, about that for how a while. sinful it was. Whoa, of those two naughty. ruddy farm Whoa. boys pressed chest to chest, brother to brother, still experimenting with their filial limbs. God, each stop. one go on. Just continue on with that. By the time Rock Terrio came into contact with the Adventists, the Branch Davidians had already splintered off decades before because they said Jesus wouldn't return until a purer church had been established. Holy shit, how many people are cleaning this fucking church? (laughs) It's gotta be clean. It better be. As it was, the Adventist main belief centered around celebrating Saturday as the Sabbath and an and adherence to certain principles in order for God to judge them worthy of immortality in heaven. And in a way, I actually admire sex like this more than most, because I've never quite respected the idea that all one had to do to get into heaven was to accept Jesus into his heart. And this that is why you like heaven's in gate. heaven. That's why you liked heaven's gate. And Dahmer yeah. is in heaven. He's cooking right now. He's having a great time. Oh, yeah. You just got to say I'm sorry right before you go. That's it. That's how it works. But being an evangelical religion, the Adventists were big on recruitment. And in the 1970s, the number one recruiter in Quebec was George Hermans. In 1977, he made his way to Thetford Mines and immediately saw Rock Terrio as a potential member. Now, Rock dug the message of the coming Judgment Day more than anything, specifically the part where humanity would be divided into the blessed and the damned, which that's kind of how a a narcissist brain works anyway. Yes, you're either chosen and love him. Or you're unchosen and uh, you are an enemy. Yeah, and it can be, and it can switch at the drop of a hat. Mm. Right. In addition to that, Rock also loved that Seventh Day Adventism, 
was so wildly different from his father's Catholicism. And Rock liked that when Judgment Day came, his father and all his white beret buddies would be swept away with the rest of the damned billions. I mean, it's not that wildly different, is it? It's still predicated on the exact same law. It's still it's still a, a Abrahamic thought, right? Catholicism does not have the specific end date. Like, they kind of allude to they it, but they really don't. They need to get that money. Well, it's because Catholicism, <laughs> yeah, they're too busy, you, you know. Getting all your cash. That's what they want. Yeah, they want yeah, they want your catch. But there's not all the pomp and circumstance of uh Catholicism. There's not the Latin, there's not as right, many right, right. rituals. Like it, it's a the much more part. of a it's the a fun work- part of, all of the pagan <laughs> shit that the, the Catholics do is the only part of Catholicism that's good. Is all yeah. that fun yeah. shit like all the weird like the match the substantiation, like the idea that like they are drinking blood, they are eating flesh. It's very intense. I did it one time. I and I'm telling you, it's not flesh. It was a horrible little cracker. They're wafers. Yeah, they're wafers. So after Thetford Mines established themselves as a place where a Seventh-day Adventist community could put down roots, the church sent out a French West Indian pastor named Pierre Zita. But that's not to say the community at large embraced the church. Only six people, including Rock, were into the idea. So Pastor Zita had to perform his services week after week in whatever hotel rooms could be rented the cheapest. It's not good when your full congregation can still meet up during COVID. Yeah, you need more than that for it to be a congregation. I would not even call this a congregation. I would call it a gaggle. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Pretty soon, Rock was known as Brother Terrio. And keeping in line with strict Seventh-day Adventist beliefs, he quit drinking and smoking and became a vegetarian. Because the thing is about Seventh-day Adventist beliefs is that it was uh, founded in Battle Creek, Michigan, right around the time that Kellogg was doing all of his bullshit. So the founder actually stole a lot of her uh, teachings from John Kellogg, including all of the masturbation stuff. Rock Terrio believed um, he was a rapist, a murderer, a torturer, and a psychopath. But most of all, and I think his best quality, because he was anti-smoking. Yeah, well, that smoking kills. <laughs> he was deeply anti-smoking. That is really interesting. So you kind of have this this sort of CM Punk, this kind of like... Uh, what, what straight are, edge. Yeah, straight yeah. edge aspect to it, mm-hmm. which really makes the whole thing even somehow more annoying. Oh, no. Even though I have nothing wrong with that. I actually think that's very healthy, but... We'll see how it ends up. All I know is also that Kellogg's, I watched the, uh, you know, you, they used to have that shake machine that would just shake all your fat. I really mm-hmm. wish that worked. No, it just makes you looser. <laughs> yeah. I love that they were just like, shake it. Shake them. Now, considering Rock's charismatic personality, it was soon discovered that he was a natural at recruiting. And before long, Pastor Zita had given him a more active leadership role within the church. Do you think if he it, looks back on his life that he, re- that I, I wonder if he realized just how, what a profound mistake that was. Pastor Zita, absolutely. Everyone in the Seventh-day Adventist church uh, really did come out and say like, yeah, this was a really bad mistake to, uh, to trust Give this him guy. Power. They gave him so much power immediately. In the beginning, though, Rock just took this as an opportunity to talk about his personal financial problems and to complain about his heartless, sinful ex-wife. And he had not yet seen the potential power of a captive audience. And to sell mugs. I mean, the mugs were now at this point incidental. Ooh, flying off the shelves. Now Is he wants. He's went from he went from mugs to souls. Oh. <laughs> Eventually, Rock was given a job selling Seventh Day Adventist literature, and within weeks, he was the top salesman in the province. 
because that's the thing. He was a good salesman, but I, I don't it. think he. I don't think he ever got like because you know when you're running your own business, there's a lot of overhead. You got to figure out your materials versus profit. He Details. wasn't good at all that. No, he was right. not. He was again idea guy. Yeah. But there's But that would be why he is a great salesman. You have to have a there's certain about in sales, I think that you have to have a certain lack of scruples. I'm gonna go say that wherever Rock Terrio went was a no scruples zone. What are you talking about? <laughs> Billy Mays died the classic <laughs> organic pitchman death. Odin on cocaine. Well, yeah, because he was fucking right. His, and his style of salesmanship, which was called fervent enthusiasm, I which I think is really interesting. You he was you supplied by cocaine. Yeah, I know. He did it for his job. He died because of his job. By the way, you're on the clock, Flex Shield guy. He's got another <laughs> week and a half left. Well, Rock's girlfriend, Giselle, was soon baptized into the faith as well. And the two of them set out as a team spreading the word. Now, with all this success, Pastor Zita gave Rock even more responsibility and soon put him in charge of one of the church's local therapeutic programs, namely their five-day guaranteed stop smoking course. What's fascinating about Rock Terrio, though, is that even though he seems to be a born cult leader, I'm not sure he would have ever started a cult had Pastor Zita not handed him an organization from which a cult could be built, wow. even though it was something as small as just a stop smoking course. But all you I need mean, is that fucking hook, like yeah. the Order of the Solar Temple. It starts with health food, and then it goes to home abortions. <laughs> <laughs> It's how it always is. It's literally every time you start a You're telling me Carl's Jr. could have saved all of this. All they needed was French fries. I'm also not sure Rock would have started his cult had Pastor Zita not done a lot of the legwork for him. Because there wasn't a soul who grew up with Rock in Thetford Mines who would have followed Rock anywhere. And these are people who actively work in cancer. (laughs) <laughs> yes, they knew he was bad, yeah. and they were covered. They were covered essentially. I also love they that had a, they had a specifically made a Chernobyl to work in. Can we <laughs> call? But isn't it ironic that they were like that smoking was bad, but then they were literally eating clouds of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a lot wrong here. Yeah. Well, since Rock was doing so well in the church, Pastor Zita was able to do more recruiting in the surrounding communities. Eventually, Zita made his way north to Plessyville, and there, Pastor Zita converted four youngsters in their late teens and early 20s who would form the base of what would eventually become the Ant Hill Kids. Now, while it isn't true for every person who came under Rock's control, the most fervent members of his cult came from abusive backgrounds. It was certainly the case with Giselle, and it went double for follower Solange Boyard. Solange was raised by a hard-drinking spousal rapist named Raul, who made a point to go off on verbally abusive drinking binges just before important holidays and events with a specific aim of ruining everything for everyone. It's really very scary, and it, it, it's one of those things. The idea of like making everything bad, she did, not, she did not have a very happy childhood in any way, shape, or form. No. But even though Solange was the most outspoken and skeptical of those first four members, she would become one of Rock Terrio's most ardent followers, and her devotion would prove fatal. Now, Rock captivated all four new converts almost immediately, passionately discussing Judgment Day and the sins of the secular world. To these kids, Rock was the most confident person they'd ever met, funnier and more entertaining than anyone they'd ever known. Wow, I can't believe he was so, he was the coolest guy 
ever in Plessyville. He is the <laughs> he is the funniest guy in wow, Plessyville. Plessyville. Wow. Using the principles of Seventh Day Adventism, Rock told them how to eat right, free themselves from hate, and bring God into their daily lives. Boring. But he also, boo. <laughs> well, the but way he also, you the way you weren't, but the way he stopped you from smoking is that you st- all you went on a, a broth binge. Yeah, and that was it. What? Yep, and yeah, you just didn't bro- smoke. It's a broth binge, and they also pumped you full of vitamins, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they also gave you a lot of like B twelve supplements because Marcus, that was a- you, you idiot. You've been trying to quit smoking for twenty years, didn't you? Try broth. <laughs> yeah, where's your broth? Yeah, go get some broth. Yeah, you, you nicotine addled. What is wrong? Homunculus. <laughs> you didn't even Wait, try broth. Start some fucking broth. You know what? I, I'm happy to say I've been off any sort of smoking, including vape, since about April, and oh. I figure I've got at least two more years on the lozenges, and that way it's only going to take me about eight years to quit smoking. <laughs> look That's at, it. Look at that. You're, you are John Candy. You are Uncle Buck. You are your five-year plan. Have you ever thought about trying to just put a lemon in your asshole to see how far you can stretch it? That's a different kind of broth. Also, we well, learned that two, two balls in a butthole um, are also called uh, dogs in a bathtub. They are not. It is not called that. It is absolutely called. You guys don't uh, know about dogs in a bathtub. No, I, I don't want to think about it. It's better than smoking. That is true. Well, Rock, with these four new converts, he also planted the seed that all of them could and probably should drop out of mainstream society. That's, oh, okay. It sounds like a simple thing. So you want me to stop involved. doing anything fun, eat a bunch of broth, and drop out of society. Yeah, pandemic. Well, think about it this way. I mean, you know, like these aren't city kids. He's not going to Montreal or Toronto to make these pitches. Like these are already kids who are on the verge of dropping out of society. Yeah, these are small, a, these are small French Canadian mining towns. Yeah, okay. As far as what Rock was getting out of all this... He was getting attention, and attention is the lifeblood of a narcissist. You know, I had a, there was one doctor, Doctor Grande, who does all these talks about narcissism. Narcissism. It's the three S's: it's supply, sex, and services. That's what they're looking for. And when you're done, when you don't give any of that shit, narcissist, narcissist supply. No, I know. I just I think it's ironic that this guy is doing a PowerPoint presentation on YouTube with fun little like bullet yeah, points. Got to. Maybe he's the narcissist. That's what we do. Well, suddenly, Rock was getting more attention than he ever imagined possible, and it was intoxicating. Within weeks, all four of these kids had gone from new converts to Seventh-day Adventism to moving in with Rock and Giselle at Thetford Mines. Also, their new Christian guru could teach and entertain them day in, day out. What a nightmare this guy is. He's got four kids from Plessyville living with him oh, now. Oh, he just invited he is, them but over to... this is what too. he wanted? Giselle had no clue what was going on. All of a sudden, all of these people are just start showing up at his house, and he keeps coming. He Every time he shows up with new people, he's like, be happy, Giselle. This is what <laughs> God wants from us. They're taking over all of our food. They're eating all the broth. Change <laughs> your way you say it. You say it all angry. And eating all of the food. They're drinking all of the broth. You say, oh, how is it? 
They are drinking all of our bra. All we have is mugs. <laughs> Exclamation points. The difference between a mean and a nice email. <laughs> now, this didn't go down too well with the parents of some of the new converts, but Rock tried convincing them he was trustworthy. One of the teenagers that had concerned parents was a girl named Chantel Labrie. Ch- Chantel had come down with mono a few years before and had since become obsessed with vitamin supplements and health food. Mm-hmm. She was shy, introverted, and impressionable, which naturally made her parents skeptical of Rock's intentions. Mm. When he showed up at Chantel's house, Rock only made things worse, telling her parents that they had nothing to worry about because he'd seen and done everything in life except murder. Why is that comforting? Jeez, I don't Why know. Why was that supposed to be a fun thing to say to a parent? Why do you think that's going to convince them to, towards the other side? I also just see him pulling up in some cliche Corvette, getting out of his car, kicking a bunch of mugs on the way out, <laughs> and mugs are everywhere. Ding, 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 ding. But yes, it's like, you can't believe what you see in the mug business. Sodomy. <laughs> oh, yeah. You see the smoking... Ugh. The smoking in the mug business makes a man sick. All of the gaping. I have seen so many people. Because I tell you what, have you ever fit a family's worth of mugs inside of yourself and called yourself a cupboard? (laughs) I have not played human cupboard, no. Rock then sat them down and told them all about his beliefs. But when they asked him questions he couldn't answer, he'd kneel on the floor, chant, and go into a trance. Oh my god. Power move. Nevertheless, is it a power move? I'm do, I'm <laughs> this is where yeah. I punch okay, you. This is where time. the dad needs to punt him in the head. Next time we're in a pitch, I am weak. I'm making that move. If they say a, a question, because in the end you're supposed to leave it, the pitch you're supposed to leave it open for questions. And oh, are they always so curious? Oh, they man, never they are. Us. They, they love our they pitches. They never care. Yeah. But if they do ever ask me a question that I don't have the answer for, I'll just go. And you have to all be like, channel me. You have to remember to channel me. Oh, what is that? Oh, first poop of the day. (laughs) Classic Ben Kissel, Marcus Henry pitch for TNT. Starter logs. Starter logs. Yeah, that's what I call first poop of the day. And then then Henry said the guy looked like Ted Bundy. I weeded out producers that would not have brought the best out of us. They were so scared. I think they called security by the time we were out of there just to make sure we would leave and the second time we failed in a pitch with tvs didn't you also make another poop joke <laughs> well i told them about the first joke because <laughs> yeah. we, then we were like it went so bad the first time but then we i thought it was a very funny version of the story uh silence absolute silence yeah well mm-hmm. they're all they're, that channel's they're, gonna be over yeah, so don't don't about yeah, yeah. well even after all the trance bullshit chantel stuck with them after the disastrous visit because chantel was ready made for this type of bullshit she loved health food you know she was interested in vitamin supplements she was very impressionable uh rock was her guy those first four were joined by nicole ruel a high school dropout who was invited to a stop smoking clinic by rock and within days she was living at giselle's apartment with the rest of them i just understand didn't high school dropouts invent smoking (laughs) (laughs) that's why they want to stop smoking Hmm. well you kind of have to still be in school to smoke behind the school Mm. Yeah, but then all of a sudden you get you get that cool guy who's like forty who shows up and he he's got like a house wherever you're gonna party at and he's so cool and mature and so he's hanging cool. out with only seventeen year olds. Yeah, that's why he's so cool yeah. and mature. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, where do you, who buys the cigarettes? He does. That cool guy. Cool yeah, guys. because of age and how that kind of works naturally. And he didn't do anything <laughs> to get there, but you just kind of don't die. He's got the best beer ever made. It's called Rolling. 
fucking rock. Whoa, <laughs> love it. You know what is sad though? True talk is that these people were trying to self better themselves. I guess they were. right. So sure, yeah, no. So they went in with good intention. It's not uh, that's nefarious. The of it. Yeah, that's so sad. It's an interesting how it starts in such a small in a small way too, because they're coming. Because what we were talking about at the very beginning of the episode, every cult leader has to have an answer to why. Like, why does it all exist? Why, what, what is our purpose? And it starts with this first, you have to see if your congregant is willing to ask the question why. Mm. And, or ask the question, can I be changed? And this is the first little thing of being like, they want to stop smoking. Right. Mm-hmm. You, I guess you're about to get a home abortion. I know you are continuing with your home abortion <laughs> conversation. I don't want which it. I'm, I wish I'm it sure it will be brought up at some point I again. wish it didn't end up that way. I wish as well. <laughs> The next convert was Claude Olay, another high school dropout who met original convert Francine Laflamme at a disco. Francine was going on and on about Seventh-day Adventism and specifically about how great rock was. You can just hear those shoes clacking around all heavy hitting the ground at that Plessyville disco. I brought my clogs. You know that it's like in a strip mall, full fluorescent <laughs> yeah. lights, everything disco, is on. Disco is fancy, maybe is a term. <laughs> yes. Pretty soon, Claude started hanging around too, and he joined the first male convert, Jacques Fisset. Now, the Flamme actually seemed to be a pretty solid recruiter. Before Rock knew it, she'd brought in her two best friends from high school, Maurice Lambert and Josie Palettier, who became just as devoted as everyone else. Man, they, they all got, I know these are regular ass names in France and in Quebec, but man, they sound fancy, huh? They sound, yeah, yeah. Fucking Francine Laflamme, That's Maurice cute. Lambert. Cool. Ooh, who are these guys? All these wine just salesmen? names. I know, but they all sound like like mysterious sailors. <laughs> I just, that is the most Queens Texan conversation I have ever heard. Now, where I'm from, we call him Rory McScorgulgan, and that's a normal name here in Texas. Texas has the strangest names of anybody. Yeah, yeah, because this guy's named like Corbett and, and, and Ron, Ron Guard. Normal names. Yeah. And so, in less than two months, Rockterio had already built a following of six women and two men. And most of them were living full time in Rock's apartment with Giselle, where things were getting sexy, but were not quite to the point of full penetration. Not yet. Oh, my. So technically, these guys are uh, uh, Jim Carrey and Daniels from uh, Dumb and Dumber when they got picked up by the Bikini Squad at the very end of that movie. <laughs> are the two dudes living? Because, I mean, it seems like a good deal for them at this point. Well, that's the but idea. Then it probably turns bad. So I'm not going to yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. say anything more. Now, Giselle was a little apprehensive about the whole thing, especially since Rock had put her in charge of all the housework, cooking, and cleaning up, while he and his followers were focused on spiritual growth and group massages. Where in the Bible does it say that? Uh, Group massages are incredibly important. It is in the uh, book three, chapter four of, I believe it's Stylistics? Stylistics? Yeah. That's what they call it. Uh, You know that story. Um, I love it, yeah. Group massages are so important to, but look at this. Look how I massage you. Stop See how touching me. This is to the group. Is, your hand here. looks so tiny no. on my arm. We're just trying Get to build. We're trying, trying to build a community. <laughs> Let me show but you. If I massage you below you the knee, though, we don't. Thank you. I'm kind of. I'm kind of sad that I'm missing out. I'm no, you're not. It's we're not building good. a group dynamic over here. I know. I know. I, I feel further away from you than ever. Oh. I can't wait to massage your fucking your toffee body, man. Yeah, get on over here. 
It's starting to not become so much thin on the outside, honestly. It's starting to become a little bit more thin on the outside. I I hate when thin people are like, oh my God, look at this. Look, and it's like you have slightly protruded gut. You you are the thinnest. Shut up, Marcus. (laughs) You're doing just fine. When I I gain like five pounds, you notice it. It looks weird. I'm going to teleport (laughs) and I am going to grab you by your ankles and kill you like Jason Voorhees did. Kissel's shoes are five pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I ate Pizza Hut and cried. No, I did not cry. No, no, you got to smile. You're formally, it's kind of, it's the burps that make you smile. Yeah. <laughs> you get a heartburn now from their marinara. Anyway, oh, I don't Jesus know. Christ, this is so sad. Well, Giselle later said that she saw some of the girls falling in love with Rock right before her very eyes. And this is essential to this sort of cult. In a guru type of situation, the members must fall in love with both the leader and other members. It makes leaving all the more difficult and makes taking orders a hell of a lot easier. Mm. There was a website I found that was fascinating. I'm going to talk about it more next episode, but it's it's InfoSec. And it talks about the way groups go from a just a cult because i like this this website because it says that cult is a harsh sounding word but cults are way more normal than you think because they're just offshoots a cult is just an offshoot from like a main religious group essentially like catholicism started as a cult and the majority don't turn horrible yes the the idea there are malignant and benign cults and then this is a i will turn into a malignant cult but it's called socialization which requires everybody exactly that they have to fall in love with the scenario you're creating a group relationship with everybody that you know they get some out of it it's that right. whatever mm-hmm. the the pheromone is yeah now the manipulations began almost immediately particularly when it came to giselle when she expressed hesitations about the whole setup rock told her that if she truly loved god she'd open her home to these people and if she didn't open her home and do as he said god would remember he's got the book he writes it down it is his journal and it is filthy <laughs> And so she agreed, and Rock continued collecting followers. Next was Gabriel Lavalle, who grew up neglected and abused, first by the nuns at her orphanage, then, later, by her alcoholic father, who seemed to reclaim her from the orphanage, specifically sub- to subject her to sexual abuse. Gabriel had been wandering after she'd been fired from a nursing job for fatally giving a patient the wrong drug. And when she became a member of the Seventh-day Adventist church, she was doing drugs and working as an exotic dancer to pay the bills. Isn't that interesting? Usually you talk to an exotic dancer and they say they're going to school for medicine. But this woman already (laughs) killed somebody in medicine. And then she's escaping it. I mean, that'd be an interesting story, though. I'd like to hear that story from an exotic dancer. It'd be kind of fun there. Nothing Mm. more fun than a good conversation. Yeah, one time I talked talked to when she was wouldn't you know it she was becoming a lawyer That's yeah incredible. and she didn't kill anyone she didn't kill anybody <laughs> this one so you're doing your you're getting your lap dance having a wonderful time and then she tells you how she murdered someone <laughs> this is this is what i'm paying for <laughs> well this woman met rock at a stop smoking retreat at lake rousseau a couple of years after joining the church and she said that when she shook his hand for the first time she felt a burning sensation that made her feel as if her hand was glued to his there's a burning in my rat <laughs> I remember that I remember that deep cut oh during the retreat Rock impressed Gabriel even more by doing the sort of goofy nonsensical shit cult leaders do to make themselves seem mystical and important yeah. 
While they were hiking together in a group, Rock made a big show of going off the path while telling others not to follow him. He claimed that he'd had a vision in which the sky had turned bright white and God had spoken to him. And if everyone would kindly excuse him for a second, he had to go find a spot to kneel upon. And wherever he knelt, that would be a sacred spot ordained by God. Oh, my! first of all, Rector Daynier took her to Knott's Berry Farm. Second of all, <laughs> this man is such... So he's doing the thing where it's like, look at me. Don't look at Don't me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't look at me. Because he had to go have his secret vision. And so he goes to have his mm-hmm. secret but vision. He was, which is but he yelled about it. Highly yeah. framed. Yeah, nothing yeah. secret about it, but it was secret. Yeah. So he went and he was like, oh, I'm going to kneel. And then he all of a sudden he's like, ah, God's kingdom is right next to this Burger King cup. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I found it. Now somehow Gabriel trusted Rock immediately. And after having a dream at the retreat involving Rock standing in a bright light wearing a tunic, she agreed to return to Thetford Mines to join Rock's growing entourage. Mm. Now, even though Rock was only in his early 30s, all of his followers were young and some of them were about to return to college after what they thought was a fun summer with a burly guru. But Rock had already become addicted to the attention and losing even one follower would have been highly distressing. So he began devising ways to isolate his followers, Cult 101. Once isolated, the torture and violence began. And that's where we'll pick back up for part two Ugh. of Rock Terrio and the Ant Hill Kids. And I wow. know there's some of you that are like, I can't believe there was a whole episode where there wasn't any castrations. We talked about it enough. <laughs> like, oh, I can't believe there's no castrations I don't know in if this anyone's episode. A, you think that people were looking for more castration? I just, I'm just wanted to, yeah. I'm going to give you our solemn prompts. There's going to be so many castrations. I love it. You're doing the Bill Clinton with your hand right yes. now. Yes. There's, we're going to give you so many yeah. castrations and home surgery. Next episode, you're just going to oh, you're just going to be pleased right. as a pickle. Just in time for the holiday for holidays, season. Also, it's great for Christmas. It is. Santa doing it. Oh, yeah. isn't isn't that nice? All right, I like doing sad ones at Christmas. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, over Thanksgiving, I had someone, uh, what did I talk about over Thanksgiving again? I think I, I spoke with a therapist who works with non-offending pedophiles. So we always have fun content here for the, for <laughs> yeah. the holiday season. We really do. We know how to celebrate it right. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we have some merch. Speaking of merch, we have, we have some new mugs We've that are pretty cool. we got some mugs that are pretty great. we if you wanted to get some of that. <laughs> we got that. Um, but thank I, you. Yeah. I want to implore you to check out all of our other our, all our other shows here on the network. Check out um, Page Seven, Wizard and the Bruiser, No Dogs in Space. Check mm-hmm. out Sidework Podcast. We've been doing Side really work? good work. Yeah. I been, like it's a lot of fun. Fraudsters is hilarious. I've been listening to it quite a bit. It's also Fraudsters it's is really what? good. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but uh, I think we did a pretty good job there. Well, technically they're doing it, and we will take credit for it. So. Yeah, that's the best part of it <laughs> being executive producers. Um, and uh, if you guys are looking for a last minute Christmas gift for that <gasps> special someone. Uh, uh, we have some uh, signed copies of our book that yes. was released earlier this year. Uh, yep. That's available at uh, barnesandnoble.com. 
Or also, if, you, if you have an enemy that you know can't read, send him a book. You know what aggravating that is? You know what mean that is? And we actually just found out our book might be in sale on sale in Russia soon. So if you are a Russian listener. In Russia, the book reads you. That is what? This is why people listen. Because something you want to hear. Why did you wait for the whole show to, to do the best do joke at the very end? You ruined it. That's you why people stay. That's why, that's why we have such good listener through rate. Listen through rate. No, uh, you know, let's you talk about listen through rate. You Joey. don't want to miss a single Jump! Not one <laughs> life-changing joke. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much, and we hope you're doing as, as well as you possibly can uh, during these crazy times. And hang in there. We are going to get through this. It is happening. Changes will be on the horizon. Literally, we are forced to get through it because that's how time works. We're going to do and it. And even though time is a construct, that we're all part of it, but aging is not, and entropy is not. Isn't so we are good? still experiencing aging and entropy, but technically time is not Really real, I but really, it is. I don't like now. I don't like you on your broth diet. You changed. <laughs> I'm I don't like All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Macoustalations, everyone. Hail me, and I'll never make you castrate yourself. Not once. Thank God. God. I don't know why culture always full balls. Honestly, full balls. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Ashley's Memorial Day mattress sale is going on now. Save big on select adjustable mattress sets up to $1,200 on Beautyrest Black, up to $800 on Purple, and up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic. Plus, get 72-month special financing with select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com for better sleep and savings. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details.